everyone. Welcome to Open Observability Talks. I'm your host, Dotan Horvitz, and here at Open Observability Talks, we talk about anything DevOps, observability, and open source. So may the open source be with you. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Logs.io, the cloud-native observability platform. Logs.io takes the best-of-breed open source projects, such as Prometheus, OpenSearch, Jaeger, or OpenTelemetry, and offers them as a unified observability platform built for scale. For those joining the live stream on YouTube or Twitch, feel free to share uh, questions and comments here on the chat. It will make uh, our chat uh, today much more interesting. And with that, let's move on to today's episode. We're one month away from uh, KubeCon Europe 2023, now that we're uh, broadcasting this, uh, uh, this year to be held in Amsterdam. And in fact, I'm really excited to share uh, with you, our followers, that uh, our podcast, Open Observability Talks, is actually an official media partner for KubeCon, yay, uh, KubeCon and CloudNativeCon, uh, and we'll be broadcasting uh, the April episode of uh, the KubeCon show floor, so uh, stay tuned for that uh, special episode. And so a uh, month away from uh, KubeCon, it's a perfect time to have a CloudNative unplugged chat with the CNCF CTO, Chris Anacek, uh, aka CRA. Uh, I'd like to invite Chris. Hey, Chris. Hi, hi. Hey, yeah, hopefully you hear me loud and clear. So it's good to finally uh, be here and I'm happy we, we made this work. Yeah, we, we've been uh, trying to do that and uh, that <laughs> came out the perfect perfect timing. Uh, just the episode before KubeCon, that's uh, the perfect time for you yep. to uh, probably give us some uh, sneak peeks into some of the intricacies of KubeCon announcements, stuff like that. So uh, I'm sure it will be uh, all for the better. Um, mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, uh, CTO of, of we know CTO from commercial uh, companies. But maybe just tell us what, what's a day in life of a CTO for the Cloud Native Computing Foundation? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's definitely it's definitely a little bit different when your product is essentially the community that you serve versus like a SaaS based uh, solution. But you know, I think a lot of people may not realize that you know we provide a lot of support for our projects. So you know, my team we have folks that help with documentation, security audits, uh, you know, helping kind of cultivate and evolve project governance. We have developer advocacy. So folks that kind of go around and speak uh, about what CNCF is about, what our projects do, do demos. So it's kind of all about all the activities you need to do to make sure an open source project continues to kind of grow uh, in a healthy way, uh, in a healthy way. And so this is like advocacy, mentorship, you know, security, improved governance. And so we have these folks that essentially focus on on doing that and, and that's that's a big chunk of my time kind of working with projects ensuring they're successful uh the other bit is kind of you know exploring future directions more kind of i would say what a traditional uh cto uh would do is kind of exploring new project and product uh related directions for the organization as you're aware um you know cloud native is a little bit interesting in some ways where we had that original uh cloud native you know definition right it was all about you know <laughs> It's like orchestra, uh, orchestrating, you know, microservices, right, and containers. But obviously, we have expanded outside of just that, right? We have things like Open Telemetry, we have Envoy, we have service meshes, we have Open Like, so I think the, the cloud native itself has kind of broadened. And so for me, trying to always kind of see what's next and kind of being up to date to see what we kind of bring in that improves uh, the lives of our projects and, and users and members is something always kind of top of mind. Uh, for me. So hopefully that uh, gives you a bit of an update. Uh, lots of travel, been uh, literally in Tokyo, Hong Kong, and Stockholm in the last two and a half weeks. So I'm a little uh, a little exhausted from, from that, but we do 
we do uh, we have a great global community and that's kind of one of the things that i really cherish about cncf is we we've have folks all over the world uh all walks of life contributing and making cloud native uh you know better so it's super fun to, to kind of see that happen especially that we're a little over seven years uh, a little a little over seven years old now since our first board meeting in december 2015. wow that's that's amazing i can tell you uh, being one of the organizers yep. of a local cncf chapter in, uh, yep. in tel aviv uh, that, mm -hmm. that uh, you feel the the different communities throughout the world and and the vibe mm -hmm. goes between them and the sharing and, and the, the community spirit. And so you have the central entity and then you have the, the localized communities and the synergy between mm -hmm. them is, is really amazing. Um, and, and you talked about uh, the part that people see less, people see you on stage and, and reading your, your yeah. blog, but there's a lot of yeah. uh, backstage work that you, uh, you, you do in order to, uh, uh, to nurture yeah. the projects and to make sure that they're sustainable. And actually I just yeah. came back from, from FOSS backstage uh, conference in, yep. in Berlin yep. where I, talked about open source and advocacy and so on and you know being a prison of the uh, of the moment uh, many discussions took place around the churn and the fatigue of, of maintainers and how to get more people involved and how to get the work-life balance for maintainers uh, especially ones that are not US time zones when all the calls the, the community calls and stuff take place in the US time zone thing like that mm -hmm. I'm curious I, I give my take on these discussions but I'm actually curious yeah about uh, how how uh, the CNCF helps its project in achieving that? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think uh, there's a few ways we kind of think about this problem. You know, we, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, step one is, uh, you know, obviously we cannot kind of control the private sector when it comes to like who they hire, what resources are focused on projects, but there are certain things we could do to kind of help maintainers. So like one of them is a lot, a lot of time maintainers are like, little overworked, we need more maintainers. Why aren't we having more maintainers? Well, part of the problem is sometimes the project itself may not be as welcoming as they think, right? Or they haven't gone through the process of setting up governance where you have like shadow programs or mentorship programs and so on. And so we have staff on my team that essentially help, you know, facilitate mentorship programs, which uh, essentially uh, help uh, projects cultivate new contributions. And sometimes those, contributors become, you know, maintainers. I actually had a, uh, just before uh, this, uh, uh, this kind of uh, podcast, I had a call with um, the Cube Armor CNCF project and uh, they, they had a case where they literally had a uh, person they mentored. That person became a good contributor. They just became a maintainer and now they're mentoring individuals themselves to contribute to the project. So you kind of have like this beautiful uh, life cycle. Full circle. And, that, and that's kind of, Full yeah. circle, and that's kind of what we want to, you know, promote. And, and there's there's lots of stories like that in in, in you know CNCF. We have folks like uh, uh, Nikita who kind of rose from you know simple uh, contributor mentee to you know now leader part of the CNCF TOC and helping yeah. uh, many many other individuals out. And that's kind of one of the core functions we do to kind of bring new people. You know, not all of them end up as you know big time contributors and maintainers, but uh, you know, some do, and they're kind of that culture of giving back. Other things to your point about open source is a global endeavor, cloud native is a global endeavor. Um, you know, we try to do our best to provide uh, translations for projects. We've actually helped the Kubernetes community initially with a lot of the work to get their documentation translated uh, in, in different languages by kind of booting up SIG docs and staffing up that to kind of be a community run thing. We've done some of these efforts for other projects. Uh, the time zone thing, 
always a fundamental uh, problem. If your project becomes large enough, um, you know, sometimes we see projects just alternate, uh, you know, uh, meeting times, but it, it is it is difficult. And that's a decision that projects themselves kind of have to go about and decide. We can't necessarily force a project to say like, all right, you have to do your, you know, meetings at like 6 a.m. in the morning Pacific to accommodate, <laughs> you know, some part of the globe. So it's, 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 it's a fundamental uh, problem uh, you know, we have, uh, other kind of little things that we've done is, uh, we have, uh, if you ever been, yeah, KubeCon, you know, obviously coming up, uh, generally we always have kind of like wellness programs, you know, available at KubeCon. So people need to kind of check out, there's usually quiet rooms and, mm -hmm. and other things. So we kind of generally have usually, you know, a bunch of kind of wellness programs available for, uh, maintainers and so on. Uh, but you know, sustainability is a, is, is a tough problem overall because each project is, um, you know, it's like the, the, the Tolstoy, whatever quote, it's like, you know, everyone's unhappy in their own unique way. It, it, it's, 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 <laughs> in some ways all, 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 fam all, all happy families are like, uh, every, yeah. all happy families are like broken in their own unique way. That kind of applies to open source sustainability. Some people yeah. are like, they're, they're burned out. Some people, you know, it, it's, it's, it's like different problems, uh, yeah. you know, overall, we do our best to, to accommodate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and, um, and another thing that I um, mm -hmm. I keep encountering when I advocate yeah. for for the CNCF, a very common yeah. thing is when people first meet the CNCF. You know, they see the the famous chart with all the uh, projects and landscape. The yes, and, and then they get yes. frankly, I guess, overwhelmed with all the options, and uh, and yeah. this can get quite confusing for newcomers wanting to adopt cloud native stack and approach. So I wonder if yeah. you have encountered that feedback as well, and what you advise people experiencing that. Yeah, so it's, um, you know, it, you know, I have a, let, let's call it a uh, love-hate relationship with the landscape in some ways, and, and it's mostly love, that the hate is minor and that's mostly usability stuff, but, you know, I actually was just speaking uh, at an event a little under a week ago in Stockholm, Container Day Stockholm, and kind of mentioned up the landscape, and, you know, someone raised her hand and was this, like, there's just too much you know, on here, it's very confusing. Um, but we do like, but they do find value in like being able to see what the options are, right. And I think the reality of the situation is, I think people would like to tell you that, hey, you could just go download and install this product or distribution, and it's going to solve all your problems. The reality of the situation is cloud native is complex, we're inherently dealing with distributed systems, you know, there's failure, you know, there's different preferences on different tools to use. It, it's a complex ecosystem. And I think the landscape reflects that, you know, obviously highlighting CNCF projects that are mature, that are, you know, maybe preferred options for people to explore. I know a lot of end user companies out there actually start with the landscape first. And if they're like, hey, if we're going to go roll out a IDP solution or look at, you know, some new security thing, they actually kind of look at the options there first and kind of come into it as an exploratory, well, we need to update our security, uh, you know, runtime security platform. What's out there? Let's go look what's on the CNCF thing and kind of do that. So I think that's, um, you know, it, it's it, it is useful, you know, you know, and it's funny when we started it. It's like we used to maintain the stuff in a spreadsheet, uh, you know, locally, like everyone does. And then, I could only uh, imagine that spreadsheet now. <laughs> uh, it, was ridic it was it was ridiculous. So so what happened was uh, the former Dan Khan and uh, and I were like, you know what? We're open source people can we just like open source this thing and, and have the community kind of contribute and keep it up to date? And it, it turned out to work out, uh, you know, uh, really, really well on that. 
The, the other thing to kind of mention is there, there is like an introductory part of the landscape. Uh, a lot of people don't realize if you go to l.cncf.io slash guide, um, it's kind of like a, it's probably a hidden feature. It should be a little bit more visible, but the guide kind of goes over and talks about all the different like boxes, like what's a container registry, you know, what problems does it address? What is automation configuration? What is key management? You know, yada, yada. And I, and I feel that is um, a, a great section that um, new people should especially start if they're, if, if they're overwhelmed. Um, but, but so definitely like a little secret feature. Uh, yep. But beyond the categories there, which is very helpful to understand yep. for those who don't even understand the, the, the boxes, mm -hmm. uh, that, that's definitely helpful. But what, what the other aspect of, of being overwhelmed is the, the, the amount of choice. And this is not about yep. uh, the form factor. I know that maybe the landscape could be differently structured, yep. but the amount of projects that we have and the amount of options for each category is, is quite uh, overwhelming. And the question is, for for the advanced users, they know exactly yep. what they want. They can find exactly the best yep. uh, fit for them. That's perfect. The question is, the newcomers that are less versed, what would yep. you advise them in finding their uh, uh, best fit of stack for their needs with all this uh, richness of of, uh, of uh, options? Yeah. So so there's two kind of things here. Uh, so, so for newcomers, I almost will always recommend we have a great set of uh, Kubernetes certified solution or service providers and companies that you kind of rely on to kind of be your, your experts um, there. If you don't have enough bandwidth to do it internally, I think that's always a kind of, you know, fair thing to do, um, especially if, if you're able to do that. Um, other options that we've kind of, you know, like start with CNCF projects, you know, is a very simple uh, answer. You're upgrading your observability, you know, stack. Maybe you're, you know, stuck in the old ages and still have like Nagios running and you're like, oh crap, finally need to, update this, I, I don't know, right? But like start with maybe Prometheus and go from there and eventually, you know, the CNC projects are generally a good start and will get you far enough. Uh, and then sometimes you may outgrow them and then find a hosted or, you know, product, you know, based offering. And that's kind of a common life cycle. Um, we, we see that happens, that kind of benefits uh, everyone uh, at, the, at the end. The end users are able to start fairly cheaply. And then as they scale and need help, there's usually a product offering or SaaS type offering that they could use. If they're advanced enough, they could go roll out uh, on their own. And it, it, it's, it's kind of a, a blessing and a curse in some ways because, you know, when we started CNCF, our idea was always, we cannot have just one stack. Like the whole idea was we need to be customizable and pluggable because if you're too opinionated, you you end up essentially losing out on innovation over over time right you know there are some other great communities out there like cloud foundry and, and openstack as, as kind of two examples that come to mind great software but when you become too opinionated it, it potentially you lose out on maybe some future innovations in, in, in my own personal opinion so when we started cncf we're like well we don't want to really be too uh, opinionated. We want to have multiple competing projects because that competition should allow for better outcomes. And we've kind of seen that happen. Like, you know, for example, container runtimes, right? We had, uh, you know, Docker Engine, Container D, Rocket, you know, Creo, and, and they fought, you know, in the container wars. And, and now if you look at it, you know, Container D, obviously probably the, the mature option and then Creo, as about as, as kind of a you know has its own little ecosystem and then there's you know rocket and then that fighting and competition actually has led to better standards the open container initiative oci stuff improved based on that the cri 
uh, under bit on under bits have improved significantly. So I think that's kind of uh, worked out well. And, you know, it, it also happens in observability. I know this is a observability podcast. I was uh, uh, fortunately, unfortunately involved in a lot of the uh, open census, open tracing, open telemetry, <laughs> uh, drama, and, and so on. And, and, you know, that competition turned out to actually lead to a better solution. The cost, though, was confusion in the market for sure. Like, like end users were confused about the different things. We're still migrating, you know, uh, folks from from open tracing and then so on. So, and then CNCF, we actually invested in writing documentation to try to help migrate people. But it's a, but it's a long process. So, I, I think that that original decision has just led to like we're we're aware that the the cost is confusion, um, you know, for end users potentially, but as a foundation, it's not our role to provide that one solution. It's to enable our member companies, you know, startups, uh, large companies to kind of build those opinionated solutions. And we, 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 we foster the competition and collaboration to make, make it all better. And sometimes parachute in when there's like a open tracing, open census or container D type, like, like that, that, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. No, but I, yeah. I, I've been involved with, with, uh, in, yep. the past in, uh, in OpenStack. So I definitely relate to that. And I think that, uh, yeah. this approach makes, makes perfect sense. Another, by the way, thing that I, yep. I thought about, uh, looking yep. at the evolution of, of, uh, uh, Kubernetes, you know, the, the, yep. the gemstone in, in CNCF. Uh, seeing how yep. broad it is today, you see the edge computing, you see uh, yep. all sorts of, of cases and for, for machine learning type of workload and, and so many. And to, at some point, what I saw with OpenStack back in the day was that it yep. spread so so wide that at some point it lost its focus. And I'm wondering from your perspective, you, you're best to see that as a CTO, yep. if, you, if yep. you sometimes think if it doesn't go too broad on the expense of specialization and, and, and you know, be, be doing this yep. the best way you can. So I think there's two ways of looking at it. one is if I look at Kubernetes itself, you know, I think over the years, it's kind of done things to actually try to rip out pieces in, let's call it entry or, you know, part of the code base. So like, you know, they spun out etcd, for example, uh, a long time ago, a lot of the storage, you know, related drivers were entry and things like CSI and then, you know, CNI, that whole story was formed to kind of spin things out. So I think the lesson they took is try to keep the core as like simple and functional as possible and try to get the stuff out of tree and have that competition and confusion happen on the on the outer layers versus, you know, in, in let's call it open, like in OpenStack, let's say it was very hard to just like replace Neutron. You're just like stuck with it, right? Like, like you're, it's just so, and, and then there's good and bad. Good and bad, like, but but the, the flexibility to have that choice and competition does lead to a lot of interesting evolutions. And if I kind of look at Kubernetes now, it's maturing. The releases are slower. We've shifted from four times a year to three times a year. There's even rumor that they may go to two times uh, oh, wow. a year. You would you would you would not believe how many people I talked to that they're like four or three times a year too fast. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, it seems That's like how the industry works. <laughs> yeah, depending on regulated industries, for, for, for sure. But I look at this, I'm like, look, you know, updating, being able to update frequently actually usually leads to better practices internally for your organization. But that's a whole other thing. There was actually uh, the other one, another person I talked to recently in Stockholm was like, you know, we used to have this problem with web browsers, right? You know, remember we used to like download a new version of Firefox or whatever, Chrome. Now this stuff just like auto updates and we don't even care anymore. Like we used to complain about it. Like, 
Kubernetes could potentially move to that model. It's a little bit, little bit harder because of where it sits on the stack. Yeah. But you know, uh, it's 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 definitely matured. Where you know, to, to your original point, the core stuff seems to kind of get simpler and simpler, or they come up with some abstraction like a CSI uh, and and kind of go from there. And, and I think that's been fairly uh, healthy. I mean, there are definitely some things that I'd love to see change inside of Kubernetes. I think. Um, you know, I, I, etcd is great, but I think there should be opportunities to use, you know, potentially other stores. If you look at, you know, for example, K3S, uh, they managed to get it working with SQLite, for example, because they need that in particular environments. I think that type of work should eventually kind of be, let's call it upstreamed or, or done in a way where we could just have one one thing and K3S just kind of takes advantage of that. So, and there's all, all these other little tiny things that, you know, um, you know, I think uh, bother me a little bit, but Kubernetes could eventually kind of evolve just like any, you know, other other project. If we go back in time, like, you know, Linux eventually uh, ended up uh, in basically every almost form factor device embedded thing because people showed up and did the work to make sure uh, it, 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 it could do that. Um, the, the, the other kind of thing that comes to mind is, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, in distributed systems, you're orchestrating workloads and, you know, workloads often have kind of different <clears throat> runtime characteristics, but you still need some kind of smart thing to orchestrate those. And I think people have kind of come, come to comfort that Kubernetes is going to be that thing for probably 80% of cases, whether you're orchestrating, let's call it VMs, you know, there's things like Kubevert, right? There's, you know, obviously we could orchestrate containers. Uh, there are people now writing things to orchestrate WebAssembly. You know, uh, you know, modules. There are people trying to orchestrate databases. So I think you know, having a essentially a pluggable, extensible a API server that is available in every public and private cloud has its advantages. And I think that's like the true value of Kubernetes is that kind of open, extensible API server and control plane that is available, you know, uh, everywhere. So I'll uh, I'll stop kind of uh, ranting on that and kind of let you. No, it's, it's, it's a good perspective, and I definitely agree that the pluggability and the IPA approach is has proven uh, very, very powerful. And and yeah. you you mentioned observability, and we hear at uh, open observability, uh, all about open observability. And you, the most fascinating, I think, CNCF project in this domain is open telemetry. I actually hosted uh, Alolita Sharma here on the show uh, after oh, a lovely, yeah. last year uh, to yeah. cover the updates. Uh, for those who don't know Alolita, she's the uh, uh, Open Telemetry Governance Committee member and also a uh, co-chair in uh, Tag Observability in the CNCF. So, uh, and I discussed uh, the project also extensively in other, with other guests. So, and, and you've worked uh, on the CNCF uh, project journey report for um, yep. Open Telemetry that I know is, is really uh, ready to, to be officially published. So can you share with us a bit of uh, the key findings that you saw in the report? Yeah, so I, I'm happy to kind of, you know, it should be released hopefully in time for KubeCon Europe, but, you know, we always we kind, get of, the, uh, kind of set, <laughs> yeah, to kind of, to kind of set the, uh, set, set what a project journey report is, you know, from a CNC perspective for people that aren't aware, essentially it basically tracks the evolution of a project from kind of birth to when it joins CNCF to kind of where uh, it, it is now, whether it's an incubating or graduated project. Um, so one thing to look at for open telemetry, you know, just like Kubernetes, Generally, when you start out, you have one company, maybe two companies uh, involved, and then you know it kind of grows over time to have multiple uh, people uh, involved. Like you look at Kubernetes, for example, to kind of map this in people's heads is mostly started out with Google and Red Hat, kind of in early days where they made up well over, I think, like eighty percent of the contributions. If you go stretch things out now, you know Google 
contributes less than, a, you know, I think 20, 25% now to the overall Kubernetes code base, but their actual level of contribution hasn't slowed down. Like the project has kind of diversified right. enough with to have new, new people coming in. And open telemetry is actually going through kind of, uh, let's call it a, a similar exercise where I think Otel at least has um, a bit of a different story to tell because, you know, there was, uh, let's call it multiple projects and then kind of things involved. So the, the, the project has, let's call it many parents or many, uh, <laughs> many, uh, uh, many folks that kind of, uh, uh, it kind of, but it's kind of going through a similar cycle where, you know, uh, Galaxy, now, Galaxy is uh, emerging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, 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 exactly. Right. So, you know, you know, I think when we were doing the report, you know, uh, we were looking at, you know, obviously I think we had uh, Splunk, Microsoft, uh, Lightstep, Google, I think Dynatrace were the like, you know, top, uh, you know, overall uh, contributors uh, to the project. And I think that made up roughly, uh, let's call it uh, 60% or so roughly of the contributions, if I recall. And, you know, the other 40%, you know, obviously are coming from startups, you know, individuals, you know, vendors and so on. So to me, it's like having, it, it, it's a healthy, you know, dynamic, um, yeah. you know, overall, and it kind of has those characteristics of a, uh, growing healthy, um, uh, you know, project, uh, contributions are mostly, uh, you know, from, from kind of us, uh, and I think Japan, uh, and the rest of it is all, uh, all over the place, uh, you know, overall, but we'll, we'll share, um, we'll share the journey, uh, with, with everyone, um, you know, uh, at, at KubeCon Europe, uh, timeframes, so you kind of dive in and look at the data yourself, but we have a lot of other examples like Envoy, Prometheus and Kubernetes on, on our website that folks could take a, uh, take take a look at, but I think everyone involved in the project should be very proud because it is very difficult to kind of get to that state where you have more more companies involved and kind of contributing. And and the project hasn't slowed down. Like you know, it's 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 the crazy thing. It, it's still the uh, second know, most active uh, project in the CNCF, second only to Kubernetes yeah. itself. I think that that's very yeah. impressive. It's crazy in many ways. So like we do the velocity reports, and you know, I, I was pulling one up. I think it was almost last year. And I was like, wow, like open telemetry has kind of grown, you know, significantly. I think Kubernetes gets about 3,700, so close to 4,000 unique kind of contributors, uh, you know, overall. And open telemetry, I think, was floating around 13, 14, 1,500, you know, that, that, that kind of range. So, you know, you know, definitely, uh, you know, uh, not as large as Kubernetes, but um, it's clearly second, you know, overall in the CNCF ecosystem. And then you kind of have Backstage, Argo, Prometheus, and kind of these other projects that are, you know, sub a thousand overall things, but like truly uh, impressive. And uh, as someone who's been kind of involved in uh, observability related, uh, you know, stuff throughout my, you know, career, early, early career, spent some time in Tivoli, if people remember good old Tivoli uh, <laughs> back in the day and some of those uh, classic yeah. IT, uh, IT asset management slash, you know, uh, classic <laughs> uh, tracking software. Um, it's nice to see the industry finally coming together to at least spec out stuff that works mostly across different tools and just like common language comments it just it's so nice to see and um there are some days where i think open telemetry should be more ambitious and not only just focus on the kind of basic you know you know you know metrics logs you know traces signals but like why don't we also start coming up with specifications regarding like People want to observe uh, People want to observe potentially the uh, uh, economic impact or environmental impact of a service or workload, and trying to spec that type of uh, effort out, and just kind of making that maybe part of the uh, hotel effort could be could be interesting. But that's a 
that, that's something for the community to figure out. I just have yeah. uh, high hopes that someone's going to figure out, like, if you're getting all the other stuff, the next level is basically environmental impact of, you know, a service where it potentially runs and maybe cost predicting it and trying to figure out what it is. Like it, these things are all related and part of the, a part of an observability uh, solution. Yeah, no, I, and I think even in the pure technical, for example, I, I submitted the uh, end of last year uh, a TEP, yep. uh, an extension uh, proposal for uh, open telemetry yep. to uh, an OTEP to uh, actually include the CICD observability using uh, yep. open telemetry to monitor Jenkins, Argo, and any yep. other pipeline, but to make it a, a part of the semantic conventions because this is a massive, massive use case that uh, that people yep. already are doing that, but there is no standardization on the semantic convention side of things. So yep. uh, you result to uh, what Jenkins uh, community decided or other communities, and then uh, yep. we, we don't have the power of convergence on, on a unified language. So, and then there are lots yep. of other cases for that. You mentioned the data observability and databases and others. So uh, definitely, even within the classic technology domain, without uh, going into business levels and, and FinOps, I think there are lots to do. And uh, actually, I'm curious, for now, open telemetry focuses yeah. on the generation and collection side of things. Do you see it expanding towards storage and analytics uh, backend uh, I, functions? Uh, you, you know, I, I mean, I, 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 you know I, I think overall, like open source is a natural commoditization engine, right? So essentially what happens is once people get something that they like and they're like, oh, wait a minute, why does this also support, you know, potentially, you know, uh, long-term, you know, and scalable storage and people show up and potentially propose it and do, um, you know, do the work. It, it, it won't, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if this kind of happens. Obviously, you know, we have a philosophy that projects are self-governing and they kind of, you know, uh, forge their own kind of, you know, destiny, but it would not surprise me, um, you know, if you, if you kind of see this and, you know, there's this kind of other weird trend where you have, you know, every traditional observability or monitoring company is becoming a security company and the security company are becoming <laughs> observability companies. And this, this stuff, I think, will impact, um, you know, OTEL in a way where it's going to have to support more of these kind of maybe traditional use cases that some of the sims, uh, you know, of the world, you know, have have built. Uh, I have other crazy ideas where I like to see OTEL go. Like if you ever done... Uh, Hey, has anyone ever played with like different query languages, right? Whether you use something from, you know, Dynatrace or you use something from, you know, data, like all these crazy or in Splunk, for example, another, you know, Splunk QL, whatever the hell they call it. Like, yeah. It's also insane that we have uh, these kind of basically same things. It's a query language to create a set of, you know, let's call it observability yeah. data in the most generic sense, but they're all different, which makes it a pain in the butt to switch things train developers and like you know it's it's just an added cost where there truly is no advantage for a company to have like its own custom query language like we should work together on this and whether it's otel or maybe a sister effort within cncf that otel works for but this is something that i think you know uh, maybe is the next evolution of kind of standardization and, and collaboration in this space so i don't know if you have experience with these uh uh like like Query language tools that you're just like crap, like you know, context switch between like PromQL. Yeah, you need to do Lucene to uh, query your your logs, and then you switch to PromQL <laughs> to query your metrics. And then actually, what, what you're saying is fascinating because I've been advocating for for quite a few years yep. to, for people to think about observability in not through the lens of of the signals, the raw data, the logs, metrics, yep. traces, or even newer data like uh, continuous profiling, but because this is just the raw data. But for me, observability yep. is actually a data analytics problem. 
It's the ability yep. to ask and answer questions about your system yes. and being able to, to query that. And, and that and, and this in order to change the mindset of people and, and disconnect from, from the raw data. And going back to the CNCF, uh, the CNCF yep. multiple observability projects, you see Prometheus, you see yes. Jaeger, for example, but each focused vertically on a specific telemetry mm -hmm. signal and data type, which somewhat defeats yep. the purpose of observability as a, as a data analytics problem, being able to ask us and answer questions across the board, uh, uh, horizontally, yep. and, and so on. So uh, how do you see uh, open observability stack converging and leading into a more holistic solution? I, I, you know, I, I love that you kind of, you know, I, I agree with you that, like, I think the the user experience and or developer experience, however you kind of want to phrase it, of like, you know, the tool to answer problems is what people should be focused on. The, the signals, the stuff I think is less important. But I think the reality of the situation is you always have to start somewhere in a part of the problem space, right? So obviously, you know, Prometheus started, you know, mostly focusing on, you know, the metrics big, open tracing bid. So you, you kind of had your little siloed communities that came in and collaborated on these particular issues because that's what they cared about. And at that point in time, in cloud native, that made sense. Now that more people are involved and are familiar with PromQL, Prometheus, how those things kind of work, how traces work, which was kind of a nuanced concept for a lot of people, they're now like, oh, it would be great if I had just like one maybe tool or interface that I could kind of, you know, use to do this. And I, I think I think you'll see you'll see it start happening from uh, you know maybe some of the vendors having an interest in saying like wait a minute why do we just why do we have a SaaS based Prometheus why do we have a SaaS based thing that you know handles you know our, our traces why can't we just have the same thing and that maybe that work will be driven by the kind of desire to have just one thing uh, for, for for people to run so it, it, but it's going to take some time um, you know these things never uh, let's say happen over overnight it's usually one team individual companies scratching an itch and just making that use case work well and then someone else kind of comes along and says like we should integrate these things or why don't we have a common you know spec for this and and i think you're going to see that evolution happen probably over the next year or two um yeah, in, yeah. In, in, in in the space but uh that that's just my uh perspective based on 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 things and some and seeing some of the future projects that are kind of coming into you know you know cncf that are um you know, playing, uh, playing a little bit yeah. uh, in, in, in this space. No, I agree. And actually, even uh, in wearing my, my vendor hat for, for the company I work for, for Logs.io, it's mm -hmm. exactly that. And the, seeing the different disparate projects out there, but when you bring them under one umbrella, mm -hmm. you can then create a much more holistic journey and the navigation from logs to metrics, metrics. You see a spike in your, yeah. in your CPUs that you want to say, hey, show me the yes. related logs, like a one-click button showing you the other view. It's still just scratching the surface and we can do much yeah. more in-depth thing. But this is where I see, putting again back my hat of yeah. the open source, I think this is yeah. where the umbrella of the CNCF can actually help yeah. converging. And for example, in my chat with, uh, with Alolita uh, yes. and, her, and the work, the magnificent work she did, bringing the Prometheus mm. community with the open telemetry com uh, community together yeah. to put the open telemetry metrics uh, uh, together mm. was, was amazing. And just showing this power of bringing the com different communities under the CNCF to talk to each other and, yeah. and join forces, you know, seeing Jaeger, for example, I'm also involved in Jaeger yep. and seeing how yep. Jaeger uh, put aside the, yep. the, the tracers and even yep. the collector and the line with open telemetry as yep. a standard uh, SDKs yep. and, and the collector side. So 
I'm just wondering how else we as a CNCF can help these projects talk to each other better. Let's it, put it this way. It, 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 it's, it's hard because, you know, I think some people look at these things like, oh, great, you know, Prometheus now collaborated on like, you know, the metric support and OTEL and, you know, all good news. But like what people don't realize behind the scenes, I was actually, uh, there's lots of fraught interactions <laughs> uh, there to kind of get that collaboration. And sometimes it, it, it takes time. And, you know, I think one, one fundamental lesson, you know, I've learned is, You, you can't you can't force necessarily adoption or, or, or action of like things to integrate or, or collaborate like and that's kind of one reason why CNCF kind of doesn't do that by by default we've kind of you know let it happen organically whether it's driven by end users or vendors because if you if, if you if you announce something let's like, say like open telemetry before uh, like open census open tracing Jaeger and all these other kind of like pieces were around, I don't know if the project would have been as successful because everyone brought something essentially to the party, right? You know, like their experience, you know, whether it was Jaeger with the, the great kind of UI and kind of just like just showcasing what, what is possible, you know, uh, in, in, in that space, right? Obviously Prometheus kind of revolutionized, you know, metrics, uh, you know, support in many ways and they brought their special bits. So sometimes it's just like the timing of, of things and what's available before those kind of, uh, 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 lovely fraught discussions, uh, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, you know, happen and, and it's not, it, it's, it happens to many, many projects, right? We have, um, you know, uh, what, what's going right now with the Kubernetes ingress, you know, uh, evolution and so on, right? So there's now, you know, Kubernetes gateway uh, API and we have projects in CNCF that kind of have done their own little thing, right? We have emissary ingress that has kind of done things, contour. And they all kind of came together and put aside their differences and said, like, look, we're just going to base ourselves on this API and we'll eventually sunset, you know, our the majority of our project and just kind of come come together. And that that was not a, a forced interaction by CNCF. That was us just basically providing the space, whether it is a conference or a formal meeting of the minds uh, where we kind of bring people, uh, you know, together to kind of. Uh, Uh, you know, come in and there's some kind of very fun stories from like the early days of, uh, <laughs> of CNCF and uh, even the open, the, the open uh, telemetry effort. Uh, we, we, we hosted a uh, meeting um, in a peace uh, conference in between the... open census and open tracing. <laughs> so no, it, this was great. Like we, we had the Linux foundation, we, we had an office at the time in San Francisco and it was one of those um, U-shaped tables, right? So it was kind of like U-shaped tables, On one side, we had the open tracing folks with, you know, their, their, their set of grievances. On the other side was open census at the time. And in the middle, it was, uh, it was me from CNCF. Uh, I think it was Brian Cantrell from the CNCF TOC at the time, trying to like mediate uh, the, the, the situation in, in some ways. And, you know, it took a little while, but eventually folks, you know, kind of, kind of came together and, and those are the type of things that we could truly do, but we can't, it's hard for us to force the actual Uh, yeah. interaction all we could do is provide the right environment and, and settings for this kind of natural collaboration yeah no I, I think uh, you gave a happen. great example <laughs> no but these are these are good success stories it wasn't easy but it, I think it, it proved both of these it, it proved so uh, I think uh, this is what I had in mind the way that CNCF can actually facilitate these conversations between yep. the uh, between the communities and, and help bring the uh, different perspectives into alignment It's, it's awesome. Like there's an effort going right now. I had a meeting earlier this week is, I don't know if people a lot of, are familiar. There's a sandbox project called open feature, right? So I don't know if people have used feature flagging, you feature know, flagging, once, yeah. once in their life, 
lots of different solutions out there, you know, many ways to kind of do it, some large companies, some startups, um, but same typical problem. Like they're all freaking different and it's hard to kind of move to these things. And at its essence, feature flagging is fairly simple. You have a feature, you could turn it, you know, on or off. Oh, you know. could, it could be, it could be a little fancy. You could run experiments, A-B tests. Like there's definitely things you could do that are a little bit fancier, but, you know, specking that. And, and they're kind of going through the exercise of bringing people, to, you know, together and evolving. So we'll see that. And that's actually something also potentially, I think, you know, interesting to the OTEL, you know, you know, word, uh, world in some ways, because observing, you know, feature flags is, is uh, for sure uh, part of, um, you know, I would say a modern cloud native uh, stack too. I, so, I, yeah, I, I used to be a <laughs> yeah, product manager, so this is actually something close to my heart, the feature flagging, but that's uh, uh, that's a whole different topic. I wonder, yep. by the way, you, 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 I know that you're uh, yep. going to a board meeting soon. Any other, any yep. highlights on where, where we're heading in, in the big uh, things that uh, you yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know CNCF super exciting. We have a governing board, like just any, it's like any other company, you have board meetings and uh, right. budgets to approve and other <laughs> stuff. So I, I mean, I mean, the big thing for people to know is, you know, like, you know, like I kind of alluded this to um, your, your, your kind of the previously um, earlier in the podcast, sorry, is uh, uh, open source is a global endeavor, right? Like it is uh, true to, you know, my heart and the organization that open source comes from, you know, everywhere. Contributions come from different countries, different parts of the world. And our goal is to continue and cultivate and invest in that. So uh, we're doing some kind of investments in terms of ensuring that we do more regional uh, events. Uh, we're bringing, uh, obviously, outside of the lovely Kubernetes community days that are blossoming all over the world, we're working to fund those, provide scholarships. Uh, we're also doing, uh, uh, let's call it, can't do KubeCon everywhere, but we could do smaller versions called cube days so we're doing you know some of those events this year that we're kind of investing in and kind of supporting you know this year we're going to be uh in tel aviv in june uh for for cube day and uh uh bengaluru uh in, in india later later this year too uh and potentially maybe something in the in the in the asia region which we're trying to kind of figure out but in general meeting people where we are trying to also cultivate local regional communities is a huge investment uh you know for us uh, the other kind of uh, less interesting or kind of maybe boring topic is like security. Uh, you know, CNCF, we probably spent a couple million dollars in the last, you know, few years doing audits, fuzzing, a bunch of stuff behind the scenes that people kind of don't realize that, you know, we do license scanning, you know, and full audits that we pay, you know, lawyers to kind of go through and crawl to make sure everything is basically compliant and built for, you know, commercial uh, consumption and, and user consumption. So we're investing heavily more in those kind of efforts to ensure that our projects are secure because, you know, <laughs> when Log4j or Logforge, you know, happened, uh, you know, basically the whole world was distracted for like, you know, uh, a week, uh, technically more than that, but like no, a big focus. Yes. Uh, and, 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 you know, you could argue, like if you looked at that particular issue, if fuzzing was particularly implemented for, for that, it may have caught that issue and or maybe an audit would have done it you never know uh but like just having that continuous practice of yeah. let's call it continuous security audits and uh, pressure is not the right word but like focus like essentially projects are aware of making sure they could actually go and fix a cve do things and, and we've seen this like pay dividends already where uh i'll share a story with the argo project argo was running into some issues where people were unhappy with them but like the team working on the project actually like never really had a a like open source security process before and so that security audit actually helped them evolve that and do it and now they're just like 
very good at responding issues. And so we are, we're probably triple downing our investment on, um, you know, improving security across uh, the CNCF ecosystem through audits, uh, salsa, salsa audits uh, that, that we're doing. Um, we're also going to announce that we are going to also do cloud native security con again next year in a oh, much nice. larger setting for a lot of people that aren't familiar. We hosted that event earlier this year as an experiment yeah. because when you go to KubeCon, you know, there's a lot of co-located events. There's, you know, there's like, there's, there's, even there's now after we consolidated up. some of them. <laughs> yeah. And, and so the security one, we figured it was large enough that, you know, we could kind of let them kind, kind of fly and it's you know, like fly on your own a little bit. And it was very successful. Uh, and we're going to probably double to triple the size of the event next year because, you know, KubeCon is just, it, it's become such an interesting event for me because it, it tries to be everything to everyone, which is a little bit challenging, uh, you know, for us. But, you know, we try our best by doing colos that are focused, but yeah. our audience profile has been fairly consistent where 50 to 60% of the people are brand new almost every time. That's and, and I think people sometimes forget that where, you know, like yourself, you're very like knee deep in the observability space and like planning for future. And there are still companies out there or people that are just like legitimately brand new, uh, you know, they to, come this, for the to this. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah. of course we have some folks that are like, we are thousands of clusters like into Kubernetes and roll, rolled out. Like I want to reevaluate my security practices. What do you have for cost management that we could take about? Like, and so like, we're, we're trying to figure out how to, how to break these things up. And it's going to take some experimentation on our part. We'll probably make some mistakes and like kind of learn from them. But the cloud native security was, it was a good uh, effort. And, and it seems a lot of those folks are very cordial and working kind of together, which is, which is kind of great, um, nice. uh, great, great to see. But yeah, boring board meeting, we'll approve the budget, focus more money on uh, making sure our community is supported globally, um, you know, through a variety of scholarships. We want to fly more of our maintainers to events to speak to kind of make up for some of the budget shortfalls yeah. uh, that are in the industry and you know honestly trying to you know improve uh security it's the stuff is it's so critical a lot of people you know i, I talk to new folks sometimes and people truly don't realize like every website you almost hit is is running linux probably a good shot powered by some you know kubernetes and in in, in, the, in the in the in the background their ops teams probably using some form of you know Prometheus or you know uh, you know type of technology. So it's like it, it's just truly all around us, and yeah. it's our job as a community to not only work on the stuff that we care about, but doing the best we can to ensure that all the stuff is kind of secure uh, in, yeah. in, in some ways. So that's kind of my uh, my rant on the uh, what's going to happen in the next CNCF. Uh, it, but, it, uh, but, it makes but, perfect but, sense. It makes perfect sense. And, and uh, in, in the context of the community side, uh, the diversification, mm -hmm. meeting people where they are, I want to uh, mm -hmm. to know personally on, on the uh, Kubernetes community days. I think this is an amazing pre program. And yep. I'm actually excited to share with the, uh, with the audience that uh, next week, yep. for those who are in the live yep. stream, uh, we're going to hold the first Kubernetes community days in Israel, uh, yep. uh, which was initiated by myself and some other uh, organizers of the local CNCF chapter. So really exciting to see that. And being on the channel also with the other uh, KCD organizers, and I see the vibrant communities there and the sharing of knowledge, and that actually allows to reach out, and each community is, is in a different 
stage in its maturity yeah. life cycle, more are already are security focused, more advanced, mm -hmm. more on the 101. So it's also yeah. a, a complementary to the centralized Kubernetes, to a KubeCon, to have yep. the localized community activities. Yep. Uh, that's amazing. I, yeah, we're so excited. Like we were a little bit, we, 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 we were kind of coming up on like a scaling problem where, you know, for a while, you know, I think the first three, four years of CNCF, I, I put in almost like 300,000, you know, miles a year of air travel, which is, uh, which is crazy, right? You just can't be in every place and, and kind of work with everyone. So you have to scale things somehow. The challenge with scaling is, you know, if you lose a bit of, let's say, control, you know, can you sometimes trust the community to kind of do things that are upheld to the, you know, community standards to ensure we, you know, are welcome to all, you know, are diverse, inclusive, we don't favor one project necessarily over the other. And, and it's been refreshing to kind of see, like we've definitely made some mistakes on the KCD side, but we've learned from them and improved the processes and people shared their lessons, like you said, and it's truly blossoming to be kind of an amazing uh, program. And, and I'm happy to kind of see us continue to invest there and kind of, you know, it, it kind of comes back to, there, there are some folks that come to me, it's like, oh, I want to contribute to CNCF, but how do I do it? Like, I'm not a, like, I'm not, I'm really good at programming or I don't know how to code or I don't know Kubernetes enough. I'm like, you could provide a translation. We have a cloud native glossary, glossary.cncf.io. Go learn some terms and maybe provide a translation, host an event, host a KCD. And, and that kind of philosophy that, you know, contribution comes from everywhere, I think has truly made us uh, a, a very like amazing community in, in my opinion of how people just like, it's like developers are not just held on a pedestal, people that contribute events, marketing, translations are also part of this kind of, um, you know, global uh, cloud native uh, family, which is, uh, I, I'm just, I'm happy for it. As someone has experienced other communities that uh, maybe were not as, uh, you know, welcoming uh, in, in the day to non-coding uh, co uh, contributors, it's nice to kind of see this finally happen. And maybe it's a, a bit of penance on my end for like earlier career mistakes of maybe not being as, uh, as open as as, as 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 we should have been. So. Yeah, yeah, and, and by the way, it also came out in, in discussions uh, this week yeah. at uh, Force Backstage the the ability to not be uh, exclusive but rather inclusive. And we we tend to think about ourselves as, as maintainers and contributors that we're open for everyone, but uh, oftentimes we don't see uh, that we're actually quite exclusive in in the way that we approach. So I think it's it's a valid one. I wanted to ask you: you have a, yeah. a, a, a very impressive mile, mileage with open source in general, not just from the CNCF. Yeah. For many many years, both from the vendor yeah. side, promoting open source yeah. within uh, uh, within companies and other foundations. Yeah. So, and and we've seen uh, various relicensing moves in open source community in mm -hmm. the past years, uh, and some other let's say mm -hmm. I call it open source citizenship issues. Uh, by yep. vendors primarily, and um, I'm wondering. Uh, for me, it's, it's a concern about the the the. the it makes it cracks. It creates cracks in the community when things such mm -hmm. as that happen. Even within yep. the CNCF, when you see a, a, a project, mm -hmm. a CNCF project being then forked and taken off, uh, yep. and, and splits the community. So I'm wondering how yep. you uh, view these recent uh, uh, actions, and and what how do you see any plans to help reduce that. Yeah, it, it's a, it's a difficult problem because, you know, at the end of the day, we, you know, we, we are essentially neutral, you know, IP holders of, of, of you know, the code, the trademark and, and so on. Right. But we generally don't provide the actual engineering resources on those projects. That's generally happens from, you know, companies, startups, large companies. And, you know, the, the only way to prevent something like that, you know, happening when you kind of have uh, liberally licensed 
uh, code, whether it's Apache, you know, MIT, is to ensure there's essentially multiple parents or multiple owners, right? You know, generally, if you have a project that more than 80% of the contribution comes from one company, uh, that potentially is a systemic risk if they decide to uh, pull people away. They may just pull people away and the project will die, or they may fork it and, you know, create, um, you know, another project and essentially change uh, the, the license from, um, you know, uh, maybe something more uh, liberal to something uh, a little bit less uh, less permissive, essentially. And we've kind of had, had, actually had that happen in the observability space, which, uh, you know, so I don't want don't to call out this particular company uh, or, or, or not on this, because, you know, I think if you make a business decision, you make a business business decision. But, you know, there are some things that happen, like the fact that is the code is hosted by a foundation, right? It does allow people to potentially sometimes come in and, you know, uh, participate, right? Like no one's blocked, you know, people step away, you know, CNCF guys always ensure that the governance facilitates new people to potentially recover and, and, and take over the project. But that doesn't always happen. The, the, the only true fire like solution, I think this problem is ensure multiple folks are involved and not one company has too much of, of, of a majority. And, and, and that takes time and, and not every project kind of always gets there. It took Kubernetes a little while to get there. Prometheus took a little bit while to get there. Hotel, you know, took a little bit while to get there. And 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 these projects now you could, you know, trust because there's lots of diverse interests. It, you know, one person could go or one company go fork things and kind of go for it and say, the hell with this community. But the fact that, you know, there's already a diverse base of folks involved, they could kind of, you know, ban you know, together essentially to ensure that things are still um, healthy. Like I, I, I've never seen it really happen in projects where you have good uh, contributor and maintainer uh, diver diversity. It, it's generally only happened, especially if the code is hosted by a foundation. If it's not, if your project that you're depending on is not hosted by a foundation, yeah, obviously always, always, always a risk. Uh, more so than the code being in. No, no, I, that, that's for sure. And actually, I even wrote a blog post yeah. uh, years back. I called yeah. it, is, is vendor-owned open source an oxymoron? Uh, yeah. Because th that, that's, uh, that's, that's a risk. And definitely we've seen a major, even, you know, well-established yeah. over 10-year-old projects that people say, well, no, it won't happen. Yep. This, this is already a, a done deal. This is a, a given fact. And no, it, it's not a given fact. Could be pressured yep. by, by, uh, by uh, investors. It yep. could be uh, even public yep. companies or whatnot. And, yep. and uh it is an issue. So the question is, when it happened with vendors that yeah. say, okay, you knew yeah. that your, your yeah. project is, is a vendor-owned project, but when you see that yeah. happening to a project under the CNCF, then yeah. it, it made me thinking how we as a yeah. community and as CNCF can help yeah. help this project yeah. get, reach this healthy state. So um, just, just yeah, my it, thoughts. It, it's, it's, it's super tough. Like, you know, we try diversifying through mentorships and all these other types of things to kind of really help out things. But it, it's, you know, generally you're not going to see this happen in, in, in a graduated project because, you know, one of the criteria is, you know, a healthy diversity, you know, committer, maintainer base. But for the earlier stage projects, uh, it, it is a possibility. And I, I do, it, sometimes we may have a messaging problem where, you know, we do have three levels, right? You know, or technically four if you count archive, but like sandbox, incubating, graduated. You know, sandbox projects, technically, like we kind of treat them like almost like a, a venture capitalist would be like an investment, right? There is a lot of them and some of them fail, some of them don't. The challenge I think we have is I don't necessarily think the external uh, community always views it that way, especially if you're like an end user or something. They see, oh, CNCF project, probably pretty, pretty, pretty good. But that's not always true. I always tell people, you know, 
treat Sandbox as an experiment. Lots of great things to learn from, potentially help out, but you know, make sure it kind of gets to that next level and preferably you know, graduated where there's a, a much stronger seal of maturity where that type of situation can't happen. And honestly, like demand more of, you know, your, your vendors, like if you're depending on something that's in CNCF and it's, you know, a little bit too much one company, talk to them, help them out. Like, you know, like hold, a, hold, a, hold them accountable. I think it's, it's good to kind of uh, put pressure, you know, on them to try to diversify. Uh, and sometimes the TOC, our, our technical board, does push back like you know if a project goes to graduation they're like mm, too much one company you know they push back and project comes and and, and it becomes a healthier we've had a couple cases where that is yeah. uh, yeah. uh no, but know, i think happened. what you said maybe is, is some some sort of a takeaway by first clarifying to the end users what it means a sandbox project maybe better yeah. clarity on for, to align expectations on on that because like the yeah. cncf stamp there is not the same stamp as it is on the on the incubation Correct. Or definitely not yes. so maybe understanding this level better and, and on internally it, what i'm saying is because we put for example open telemetry yeah. is a sandbox project yep. That's a massive yep. project, lots of contributors and, and yep. already companies. So when you have in the sandbox project, both huge, massive sizes, project like open telemetry and then tiny projects with, with a couple of maintainers or something like that, it may make it very vague what sandbox uh, boundaries are. So yeah. I'm just wondering it, again out loud, <laughs> if it's, uh, we, we may create more clarity ourselves it, to help the it, end users understand it. it it's, it's tough. Like we've tried... Um, yeah, I mean, I would love ideas from the community yeah. if folks have ideas on how to make this easier, because essentially, you know, you know, the graduation incubation sandbox levels are, are an inherent like they're, they're a they're a maturity stamp. They don't necessarily reflect project quality. And, and that's like a nuanced distinction that sometimes is hard uh, to to tell uh, to, to, to like explain to folks It's like, you know, things like Istio, open telemetry obviously fairly you know uh decently adopted uh you know <laughs> projects but they're not graduated yet they're working towards that it's just a reflection of like how clean is their governance how you know mature some of the open source processes are and did you have an audit and so on that's less reflective of um you know how how widely that project is adopted it, it's it, it's hard like i maybe we need new badges or new names like you know in the early days before sandbox was a thing there was an idea to almost do something like if you're familiar with like the apache incubator basically having like a separate brand where i think we we're at the time we were like discussing like cloud native labs right this would be a cloud native lab project and there will be separate cncf projects where they were incubated and graduated but we decided not to go you know that route and instead did the sandbox incubation and graduation uh, you know, tiering. Um, but uh, I'm we have, all we have like, an, uh, interesting yeah. questions from the audience exactly in this oh, yeah. uh, in this uh, context. Yeah. Uh, the question is: Is there a way out of graduation if diversity goes away of a project? Which is actually a very good yeah. question. Yeah. So uh, interesting. So uh, the TOC that has full rights to move project maturity level. So absolutely, like we could have a request that a project essentially, um, you know, could move down uh, a level or archive. Uh, I don't think it's happened yet for a graduated project, but we've definitely had things like uh, Rocket uh, and Brigade as two examples of projects that were archived uh, not so not, well, not so long ago uh, overall. But yeah, hasn't happened yet, but definitely a possibility. Actually, I would love to. 
I would love to see this potentially happen because it, it may like software changes so fast that we may have a project that essentially, um, you know, was graduated and super effective maybe for that time slice for maybe like five years and then something new happened, right? Maybe people rewrote everything to take advantage of like eBPF that it now exists everywhere and the old stuff doesn't work well and the new thing. So I, I think CNCF is built to handle that case. And once it happens, I would actually be very proud to see it working, but there's nothing that prevents this uh, from happening outside of like, I don't know, maybe vendor politics. Some like vendor competitors like uh, wanting to uh, offer an archive proposal for something they're unhappy with, which uh, wouldn't surprise me uh, uh, either. But uh, I think the vendor politics have died down over the years, which is uh, yeah. lovely to, to see. There's another question uh, from the audience. Can yep. CNCF offer project health dashboards? Yep. So good news. We have some basic ones available. So we, uh, we have one thing that we built in the dead stats. If you go to projecthealth.cncf.io, it is probably one of the ugliest uh, Grafana dashboard that you'll come across uh, your your life that spans a lot of columns, but you can go there. And that's kind of a rough dashboard that the TOC uh, and CNCF staff occasionally use for just like checking for things like, oh, if the project hasn't had a commit in a year, that's probably an issue. Or, you know, the project's getting 99% contributions from one, you know, company. So there, there are some stuff there that you kind of look at. We are, we are looking to invest in building newer tools um, in, in this space uh, to kind of make it a little bit more, uh, let's call it uh, automated outside of uh, us having to kind of go scour, um, you know, a Grafana dashboard uh, that we populate. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. And um, I want to uh, uh, say thing we're about to run out of time. So maybe yep. just uh, if you want to uh, share uh, where people can yeah. uh, follow you, that you have the best uh, Twitter handle, so it's easy. But tell me where, where we can find you, where we can follow, and not some the, tips for, uh, for the KubeCon yeah. uh, visitors. Yeah. So yeah, one not always the best handle because it's confused with the Canadian Revenue Agency, which is the IRS. It's a tax body <laughs> of Canada, so people always upset at it. And then now with the European Union, it's also the name of the Cyber uh, Act. Uh, Cybersecurity oh. Act, which also people are not fully happy. So, but yeah, lovely. It's my initials at the end of the day, and so I've kind of stuck uh, with it. So, um, follow me at CRA, uh, both at you know, uh, you know, Twitter and the Cost Social. You could easily find me. Just googling if you're able to spell my last name, you'll be able to, to find me. Um, and for KubeCon, um, good news. Uh, it's going to be busy this year. So uh, right now, uh, we're expecting somewhere between nine to ten thousand people on site, which will be record breaking. Oh. Uh, attendance for us. Amazing. It's also made also made hotels a little bit difficult. So we're constantly working to adding more room blocks. But I would book your travel early. Look at Airbnb and whatever hotels we have because um, you know we're we're, we're going to have record breaking attendance uh, this year at KubeCon. I think uh, a lot of people uh, have assumed that, given the macroeconomic and kind of global condition, things would slow down. We even made that assumption, but it just seems that cloud native is such at the forefront of 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 companies, right? You know, like. You look at the data, cloud spend still is only 10% of like the $4 trillion IT spend and, and, and like, you know, overall in the market. So we're still, we're still early days. And then sometimes I don't even recognize this. And it sometimes requires like talking to a old bank or something to remind me that we are still early in, in the cloud native journey. So for KubeCon, show up, be prepared. There's going to be a ton of people. Uh, it will be our largest event in Europe by far, probably close to 10,000 people or maybe a little bit uh, more based on current current trajectory. So um, look for me there. Happy to kind of see you. Uh, I'll be going on a couple morning runs if people like to run along the lovely uh, Amsterdam uh, canal canal system. But uh, look forward to seeing uh, all y'all there. And you have your keynote. 
So everyone, make sure yeah, not to be fun your keynotes. On keynotes, if you have great case studies of uh, people that have kind of come through the cloud native community as a early contributor, mentee to now project maintainer, I would love to hear from you because we have so many great examples out there, and I would love to highlight uh, you know some more of them. So if you have anything, please let me know. Otherwise, thank you so much for hosting me. I'm so happy that we're able to make this. Yeah, uh, you know, thanks, th thanks so much, Chris, and looking forward to also uh, seeing you next month in the, at uh, KubeCon yeah. in Amsterdam. Some announcements. Yes, yes. Yeah, next yeah. we're going to have some announcements. Event. And as I said, we're going to yeah. also uh, broadcast the, the episode of Open Observability Talks live yeah. from the show floor. So uh, you'll get some announcements also uh, through the podcast for those <laughs> who are unable to attend. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot for uh, joining me, Chris, and thanks a lot for everyone yeah. there at Hi. home for joining us. Yeah. Uh, that's all for today's episode yeah. of Open Observability Talks. Um, and as always, all the episodes are on the favorite podcast apps and also on YouTube. Um, uh, streaming, we're streaming the episodes live. So if you are listening for that on uh, podcast apps, do know that we live stream on uh, Twitch and YouTube. Just follow us at, on Twitter at OpenObserve to get the yeah. times and everything. And uh, if you have something interesting and you're part of the community, you want to contribute, just uh, submit a talk proposal, openobservability.io website. You have an open CFP. More than happy to have more community members uh, contributing. Thank you very much for listening. I'm Dutan Horvitz and see you next month. And may the open source be with you.